Welcome. I'm W.F. Strong, your host and storyteller. This is Beyond Texas. Before we get to this week's story, I'd like to tell you why I launched this podcast. As you probably know, I've been doing a radio series, now radio series and podcast, for 10 years. Stories from Texas, some of them are true. After a while, I felt I was somewhat, shall we say, corralled and constrained by the theme. Beautiful and wide-reaching as it is, I wanted a place to share stories that went beyond it, and a place I could elaborate on the stories behind the stories I've already told. Here, I'm interested in stories about people and events in the wider world that have changed the world and shaped who we are now. Today's story is a case in point. I shared it first in 2019, but I wasn't able to share the whole story, the nuances and the pitched intellectual battles fought to achieve an end many in the world thought impossible. So let's get started. I'm sitting on the veranda of the Gorgas Building at Texas Southmost College in Brownsville. It's named for the famous Army physician, Dr. William Gorgas, who was sent here to Fort Brown in 1882. This building, in existence then, was the hospital that he ran. What he would learn here and what would happen to him would change the world. This is fitting for our new theme because, as you will see, though his career started here, the vast majority of it was spent abroad in far-flung hinterlands. When he arrived at Fort Brown, he was just 27 years old. There was a full-blown yellow fever epidemic raging at the time. It was called yellow fever because the disease turned eyes and skin yellow. In Mexico, they called it vomito negro because of the dark bile its victims threw up. About half the people who came down with the severest form of the fever died. Yellow fever was not only deadly, it was quick. You could feel fine on Wednesday morning, have symptoms kick in that afternoon, and not live to see happy hour on Friday. There was a case where friends, while having dinner, agreed to meet for lunch the next day. One showed up and the other didn't. He inquired about his friend and learned that he had died of fever during the night and was already buried in the cemetery. They buried them quickly for fear that the disease would spread. Gorgas went to war with the disease. He didn't yet know that it was spread by mosquitoes, but he did know that good sanitation and quarantining patients was useful. He launched public health measures that helped cut short the epidemic. Perhaps the best thing that happened to him during this time, and it will seem a strange thing to say, is that he came down with yellow fever himself. He came close to dying, so close that the army had built a coffin for him and was ready to bury him immediately to keep the fever from spreading. But he recovered. And here's the good part of his contracting yellow fever. His survival gave him lifelong immunity. He vowed to make fighting the disease his life's work. One other development from this time in Brownsville that might well have been the most important thing that fate did for him during the epidemic is that he nursed a young woman through the illness, and because of that, shall we say, therapeutic intimacy, they fell in love and were soon married. She, too, had immunity, and so she was able to serve side by side with him at many hot spots in the world without having to fear that the deadly disease would kill either of them. 
as it would hundreds of thousands in the years ahead. Gorgas's next significant posting in the war on yellow fever was to Cuba. It was there that the research of the Cuban doctor Carlos Finlay had laid out a convincing case for mosquitoes being responsible for transmitting yellow fever. Walter Reed, a name you likely recognize from the Walter Reed Medical Center, tested Finlay's theories in controlled tests and proved, without a doubt, that the mosquitoes were responsible. <laughs> you know, Reed could never have gotten his controlled experiments past a modern research review board at a modern university because of the danger subjects were blatantly exposed to. Reed, you see, built a small house that was completely screened with a screen partition down the middle. One side was for the yellow fever mosquitoes, and the other side would be mosquito-free. He put soldiers, volunteers, to sleep in the house on the mosquito side, and some on the mosquito-free side. He wanted to see if the mosquito group would get yellow fever, and the protected side would not. Of course, the mosquito side did get yellow fever, and though they got the best of care, some died. It was a tough way to learn the truth, but I guess one can say that, like soldiers in any battle, lives were laid down in order to win the greater war. And it was learned that the culprit here was the Aedes aegypti mosquito, the only one that caused yellow fever, and it was only the female of the species that caused it. It was Dr. Gorgas who put all this knowledge to practical use with fumigation, screening, and outlawing of open cisterns and standing water there in Havana. Astoundingly, he virtually wiped out yellow fever in Havana in a couple of years, reducing cases from the thousands a year to under 20. Magnificent. Then Dr. Gorgas made his big leap onto the world stage. You will remember that the French had tried to dig the Panama Canal starting in 1880, but failed miserably because they lost tens of thousands of workers to yellow fever. After nine years of trying, disease drove them out and silenced the steam shovels. The Americans, in a cannot-fail bid to do what the French couldn't, resumed that dig a decade later in 1903. But in the first years, yellow fever and malaria threatened to drive the Americans out, too. Some said it would have taken 50 years and 80,000 lives to finish the canal under those circumstances. Gorgas was brought in to solve the problem. But the political leaders in charge didn't want to hear anything about this crazy mosquito theory. They told him to keep that theory to himself because everyone knew that those tropical illnesses came from miasma bad air. Hell, they said, malaria itself came from the Italian word and translating verbatim malaria, it's bad air. So there's the proof. Then as now politicians proclaim to know more about science than the scientists. Gorgas learned what Galileo learned, getting the world, even doctors, to ditch a centuries-old belief system in favor of a new one is unfathomably difficult. Gorgas thought Panama was a naturally gorgeous country with its wild birds and rainforests teeming with exotic life. He marveled at how you could have lunch on the Atlantic coast, take a train across the isthmus for dinner on the Pacific side, and return home to sleep on the Atlantic side. 
He marveled that there was a place in Panama where you could watch the sunrise over the Pacific and enjoy an Atlantic sunset. It's hard to get your mind around that, but it's actually true. You'll have to look at Google Earth to understand it. Gorgas wanted to take what he had learned in Brownsville and Cuba and put it to work on a grand scale in Panama. He applied for a million dollars to protect Panama. The U.S. gave him 50000 As he had no success with such poor funding, hundreds of workers were dying each month, and the Americans risked being embarrassed by failure just as the French had been. To the hard-charging can-do Teddy Roosevelt, that was unthinkable. He intervened, and he said, Give Gorgas what he wants. So it was then that Gorgas screened all the houses and buildings, and particularly the hospitals in the canal zone. This was essential because a patient could only get yellow fever from a mosquito that had bitten someone with yellow fever. The French had had an unscreened hospital, and unbeknownst to them, were running a kind of nursery for yellow fever. If they had wanted to create a yellow fever epidemic, having an unscreened hospital surrounded by tropical gardens made beautiful by generous amounts of standing water would have been the ideal way to do it. Gorgas got rid of those plants and cut back the grass and forests so that there was a 200-yard buffer around the hospital. He had an army of fumigators at work across the isthmus every day. As he had in Cuba, he got rid of standing water and required covers on cisterns and drained swamps and treated undrainable waters with oil to keep larvae from forming. Within two years, yellow fever was completely eradicated from Panama. Malaria was the next challenge, but it too was weakened by these methods. Gorgas was considered the medical hero of the canal because without his work, the engineers and diggers and construction workers could never have done their work. Gorgas, without question, made the canal possible. After Panama, Gorgas eventually became Surgeon General of the U.S. Army, and he was knighted by the King of England for his work in tropical diseases, from which the British greatly benefited. So, here I sit, on the veranda of this old hospital at Fort Brown in Texas. The building still bears Gorgas's name. It is known here as Gorgas Hall, and contains the offices of the President and several Vice Presidents of the College. I also admire the fact the Gorgas name has a place of honor 8,000 miles away, on the other side of the Atlantic, at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. I'm W.F. Strong. You've been listening to Beyond Texas, stories that change the world. Up next week is a story of Dr. Bill Bass and how his work with dead bodies helped launch the CSI movement. <laughs>